If you have a smartphone or a tablet, we do have a live event. So there's some instructions on there. If you're not hip to you version, you need to get hip to you version. If you have a smartphone or you have a tablet, you uh, version is uh, it's, it's it's an incredible Bible app that we use and 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 that we utilize. Um, if you download that app, you version, you can go ahead and link. I've got uh, sermon notes that go right along with the message, so you can follow right along. And the cool thing is, is if you have you version on your phone, you have a few extra bonuses or or, or smart device. Is um, there's there's a there's a link for online giving. Maybe maybe that's best for you. Anybody in here stop carrying cash? Is anybody in here that pretty much just carries card everywhere? How many people just stop carrying cash just because you're broke? I mean, you just, <laughs> you see, if, you had, if you had cash, you'd carry it. <laughs> I understand that's, that's okay. I don't, just in the day and age, my wife and I don't carry cash anymore. It's card everywhere, and we pay all of our stuff online. So perhaps giving online is easier for you. There's a link for that. now, But I'm not trying to uh, share about that. Now at the bottom of the YouVersion live event, so if you go to live, you type in 43609, there'll be a bunch of churches that pop up. It'll say Paint the Town Red, Vision Ministries. Click on that. You'll have all of the notes. The cool thing is, is at the bottom of that, there's two links. One is a link to our website. If you've missed last week's message, it's something that I've been working on for a while here uh, just because I know there's been tons of people, especially when you serve in an area or perhaps you missed because you went on vacation or something happened where you couldn't come. And, and somebody told you, man, you missed last week's message. It was the bomb. And you're like, man, I wish I was there. Well, now you kind of can be because you can go onto our website and you can listen to last week's message. We're making that available. It's something that I've been working on for quite some time. I figured out how to do it. Um, we did have CDs and all that other stuff. We just didn't have, I mean, that's a lot of work. So just with the way in, in day and age our technology is going, it seems like everybody has smartphones. Everybody has some sort of access to Internet. So you just go right on there. You click on there, and, uh, and there is last week's message. Now on this U version, there's also one more link. And it's to SoundCloud. That's what we're doing. We're putting all of our message on an app. You can, you can download the app or you can do it right through your web. It's called SoundCloud. You type in Vision Ministries, all one word, capital V, capital M, or Vision Ministries of Toledo. It'll pop up. It'll be a playlist. So, the, so we've started our very first playlist, which is Paint the Town Red. So every single message, this is part six of our message, is online now. So all of that in a nutshell, just to let you know you don't have to miss out. Okay? So that's all for you. It's been a while to f- for me to try to figure out how to do that, but I got it. I got it down. So, I think I'm self. I think I'm pretty tech savvy. But the problem was was that our website couldn't host uh, information. You couldn't have large files, and so I figured out how to go around it. So, it's good. It's all good. You guys ready for the word this morning? We've been teaching, paint the town red, which is basically a sermon series on the red letters of Jesus. Last week, Pastor Joy taught a message on discipleship that was on point. And so today we're going to be talking a little bit about the lost son. We're going to break down a little bit of the parable of the lost son found in Luke chapter 15, verse 11 through 32. So if you got your Bibles, open it up to Luke chapter 11. If you got your smartphones, you can turn there. If you have either of those or neither of those, it'll also be on the screen for you. Look at all those ways for you to be able to read the Bible with us. Isn't that great? I'm going to just read it right off you version. You guys ready for the Word this morning? Say this with me. Say, I'm ready for the Word of God to change my life. 
Come on, Bishop. Let's go. Okay. Verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the young son got together all he had, set out off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything there, was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the citizen of a country who set him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Say, no one gave him anything. How many of us know that when it rains, it pours? <laughs> True statement. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him, ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf. Kill it. Let, let's have a feast and celebrate, for the son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, say meanwhile, <laughs> the older son was in the field, and we came near the house, he heard music and dancing. Isn't that amazing when we're working and we're seeing other people have fun, we get a bad attitude? <laughs> so he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed a fattened calf because he has, take, he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years, I've been slaving for you. <laughs> oh, that's great. And never disobeyed your orders. See, that's how some people are serving the Lord. Okay, anyways. Yet you never gave me a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when your son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father says. The father said, You've always, You are always with me, and everything that I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive. Again, he was lost and is found. Lord, we just thank you for your word today. God, that it is living and active. God, it's powerful. Father, the Word says that it is, Father, Lord, like a double-edged sword, it cuts and divides. God, would You cut and divide the things from our heart that are displeasing to You. Lord, we just ask You speak through Your servant in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we read in Luke that there is two sons 
One stays with his father, father. The other one takes all that his father has for him and goes and, and spends it lavishly. Okay? So we've got a few things we're going to learn here today out of this passage. Number one, we're going to learn that resources without stewardship can be detrimental. Has anyone here ever decided to hand, to hand their five-year-old the keys to their car? Okay, that would be detrimental. Here you go, son. Why don't you go take it for a spin? What's going to happen? Your, your child's going to either hurt themselves or hurt somebody else. Or, perhaps, maybe he's going to mess up your car because he doesn't know how to put it in drive, so he's going to destroy your drive shaft or whatever. Okay? So you're not going to give something that's of, of significant value to someone that isn't ready for it. Okay? Even the law of the land says when you get to be an age of, what, 16, that you are now qualified to, what, get a license, driver's license. And it used to be you could go through driver's ed at 16. Now they've got to cost a lot of money, and most people don't get their driver's license until they're 18. But all that aside, okay, resources without stewardship can be detrimental. Okay, we're just taking a little study of verse 11 through 15 here. Okay, first off, the son didn't work for it, and he didn't understand the value of it. Look at your neighbor and say, value. He didn't work for the inheritance, so he didn't understand the value for that inheritance. Anybody here ever work uh, at a factory or at a place where, I mean, it's like 110 degrees, 115 degrees, where it's just like ball and sweat? Anybody here ever work in a place where it's just like, I mean, it's like drudgery to be in that place? Okay, he said every day, hands up, every day. When you get that paycheck at the end of the week or at the end of two weeks, you understand the value of the sweat that went into that paycheck. Correct? So for you, you just taking that paycheck and just going off and just, woo! You know, you may have a little bit that you do that with, okay? Because because uh, a worker is worth his wage, okay? And the Bible even says you don't mock, you don't muzzle a mock, uh, uh, you don't muzzle an ox when he's treading out the grain. So you got maybe your little bit of spending money, but for the most part, you what? You hold on to that and you pay bills. bills. Come on. Why? I work my butt off. I'm sweating and I don't want to get kicked out of my house. Okay? I'm working hard for this car so that I don't have somebody coming and impounding it. Right? Because what? You understand stewardship. Okay? You understand the value of your paycheck. You understand the value of that car. You understand the value of whatever that resource is. See? Uh, The son did not understand the value of it, nor did he understand the value of a dollar. Say value of a dollar. This is the sad thing, friends. We live in a day and age now where people don't understand the value of a dollar. (laughs) Got awful quiet in here. Bill Gates said this about his kids. Bill Gates is worth $76 billion. Say billion. Not million, billion. He's worth $76 billion. This guy's got a lot of money. He is actually, his family is considered the wealthiest family on the face of the planet. Yet this is what Bill Gates said uh, when he was being interviewed. He said that he's not going to leave his fortune to his kids. He said, I'm not going to do that. This is what he says. He says, they won't have anything like that. They need to have a sense that their own work is meaningful and important. 
You've got to make sure that they have a sense of their own ability and what they're going to uh, what they're going to go and do. Bill Gates said that. He could very easily hand his money, his inheritance over to his kids, but he said, I'm not going to do that because why? What happens when you have a rich person that understands the value of a dollar and they hand it to a bratty kid? What happens? We see that, we see that all through all through the news. You have people that are what? They have entitlement and they, they don't know anything about that and they're off blowing money and, and don't understand the value of a dollar. Okay? This is the sad thing, okay? I believe in the welfare system as it's properly positioned in the way that it was meant for. Okay? It's meant for to give us a hand up for, for those of us if you know perhaps you're in a position where where, you know, I don't know, you got hurt at work or or, or whatever or whatever the situation may be where where you can use it for us for an amount of time and then it helps pick you up to where that's that that's what it was meant for when it was first created. It was never meant for people to live on it all of their lives. Okay? But what the welfare system has done, friends, and I understand this, I live on Prouty Street right here in the hood. I don't live out in, in Perrysburg, I don't live out in Rossford. Okay? I grew up in the projects over there on Manhattan Street, right in front of the projects, not in the projects, in front of them. Okay? So I understand all this. Okay, I understand the government cheese. Understand that. Okay, understand <laughs> that box cheese, remember that? Came in that brown box. That stuff was good too. Man. <laughs> it was good. Now, the, now see, I was a kid. And the cereal was nasty, but the cheese was good. <laughs> cheese was good. Okay? But say, this is the friends. See, the welfare system has raised up a generation of people who have entitlement. Oh, I got awful quiet in here. It's raised up a, a whole generation of people that don't understand the value of a dollar. Friends, and let me say this, friends, with an entitlement mindset, friends, it will not fly in the kingdom of God. What does entitlement mean? This is the definition of entitlement. Entitlement is... Okay, the fact of having a right to something, the belief that one is inherently deserving of privileges or special treatment. That's what entitlement is. That you deserve something that you didn't earn. We've got to be very careful, and, and this is the one thing that, um, you know, if you were ever raised impoverished, then... A lot of times what we can do as parents is we can overcompensate and try to give our kids everything that we never had. We've got to be very careful because if our kids don't learn how to earn that as well, they're going to have a sense of entitlement. Now, now don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with blessing your kids. You should absolutely bless them. Bless their socks off. But in as much, we should also make sure that there is an understanding that 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 there has to be work involved. Does that make sense? Okay. Friends, when we have a kingdom mindset, we understand that we deserve nothing. When you have a mind of Christ, we understand that we deserve nothing. I love it how Misty Edwards says, she's, she's one of the uh, you know, leading worship leaders of our time. This is what she said. She so adequately put this in one of her songs. And she said this. She says, You owe me nothing. I deserve hell. You owe me nothing. 
yet you've given me mercy. I doesn't owe anyone anything. When we understand the concept of grace, we understand that what we really deserve for the wages of sin is what? Like the wages of your job, you did what? You worked and you earned a what? Paycheck. The wages of sin, what we earn is death. So Misty said it in one of her songs, I deserve hell. You owe me nothing, yet you've given me mercy. Friends, we've got to be very careful that we don't allow resources in our life to be without stewardship. They can be detrimental. Or that we become people that would even allow our kids to receive that which they didn't work for and then they squander it. See, there's a, twofold, there's a twofold part in this. One, the first fold is the part of the parent. The father who, po- who possibly, and I know Jesus taught this to, to teach a lesson, who probably should have took, taken a little bit of wisdom and said, son, you're not, re- you're not ready for this yet. I can't give it to you. If you want to go off and party, then go have your fun. But I cannot release this to you yet. Because this will destroy you. And then there's the part of the son that wanted what that which he didn't work for. So there's two parts of this. Okay. Number two, anyone can squander their inheritance. Isn't it often that we look at somebody else and their problems and their situation and say, oh man, I'd never do that. <laughs> What's the old saying, never say never? I found myself, when I ever said never, usually that happened. Like I said, I would never drive a minivan. And there's one parked out in the parking lot. Okay? <laughs> it's just, it is what it is. <laughs> Okay, never say never. Okay, because you'll probably end up finding yourself doing that. I'll never work there. Don't say that. And it doesn't work backwards either. I tried that. I said, God, I'll never be a millionaire. It just doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. I know it's so stupid. I'm being silly. Okay, it just doesn't work like that. But friends, anyone can squander their inheritance. How many of you have you ever watched a movie and but and, and you watch the characters and you're like, man, that person was such an idiot. They should have did this. They should have did that. It's easy to sit on the sidelines and look at what everybody else should do. But friends, let me just reaffirm this again. Anyone can squander their inheritance. Okay, this son was given enough to live on for a good portion of his life as well as enough to invest in. That's what that inheritance was. It was enough for him to have a portion to live on and he could have invested that and he could have been well for himself. He could have done well for himself. Yet he had no value in the hardened money and no appreciation for the inheritance. Friends, the Father's hard work earned that inheritance for Him. Friends, it's like many of us with salvation and the grace that comes with it. Jesus is the one who worked for it, yet we too can squander our inheritance because just like Lot's wife, we want to take a look back at the world one more time. When we do that, friends, we're, in squatter, we're, we're squandering the inheritance of heaven. Some of y'all didn't get that. I'm going to say it again. The Father's hard work earned Him that inheritance. It's kind of like our salvation and the grace that comes with it. Jesus did all the work for us. Yet we can be just like this son and squander our inheritance. Just like Lot's wife who wanted to take one more glance to look back at the world. Friends, that could be your last glance. I just got to go back for one more. That could be your last. 
could be your last glance. That's why Jesus said in Luke chapter 17, or Luke chapter 17, verse 32. He said, remember Lot's wife. What did Lot's wife? Lot's, Lot and his family was spared from destruction, fleeing to the hills. What's that? Salvation. Damnation was behind them. That's like the grace of our salvation. Okay? What? There's, there's safety and security up in those hills. There's safety and security in the arms of Christ. Friends, and then what? He, the angel of the Lord told Lot and his family, do not look back. But Lot's wife had to get one more glance. She just had to peek around the corner. I need one more look. And the Bible says that she turned to a pillar of salt. Friends, that last glance was her last glance. We've got to be careful when the enemy starts enticing us to go back to that lifestyle. You might have been saved or redeemed or set free from addiction. And the enemy's lying to you and you're getting beat up and you're getting boggled down and, and, and just that taste is coming back in your mouth. Well, I just got, I'm going to just do this one more time. How do you not know that's your last time? Remember Lot's wife. Jesus said that. And it's actually exclamated. Why? Because it's that, that last glance. It could be our last glance. That's why he says, whoever puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Friends, when we enter into the kingdom of heaven, when we say yes to Jesus, when we say, God, I'm going to serve you. God, I'm going to walk a, a close proximity to you. God, you're Lord, you're King. I'm going after you. Friends, then we got to say in that close proximity to Him. Not saying that we don't get tempted. Not saying that we don't have our struggles. Not saying that the enemy, because we are at war against the flesh every day. We say yes to God, no to the flesh. Okay? The acts of the sinful nature talks about in Galatians. But friends, we can't allow ourselves to look back. And it's a progressive looking back. It isn't just like all of a sudden you're doing great for God and then you just look back. A little bit of discouragement sets in. You get tired. You get weary. They're talking bad about you on Facebook. Uh-oh, I'm about to get real here. Somebody at church is gossiping about you. The devil starts planting those, those, those seeds. And then, what, and then you find yourselves unraveling and falling straight back into the same thing that God rescued you from. We just got to be careful, guys. Okay. Friends, when we look back like that, we're just like His Son eating with the pigs. When we disregard the grace and mercy given to us, the inheritance of heaven, we take the gift from our Father which is in heaven and continue to go out and sin. Romans chapter 6, verse 1-4 through says this, Do we continue to sin so that grace may increase? By no means. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Well, I got the grace of God. I got the golden ticket. I got Jesus and I can continue to do what I want to do. Paul says, by no means. Okay? We are those who have died to sin. It means you've got to crucify that sinful nature every day. How can we live in it any longer? Friends, we, we, we will live our lives in Him or in sin. Okay? That's what he's saying. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? 
It's a symbolic. That's what you, when you were baptized, when you said, God, I'm making a confession of faith before you, God, I love you. I'm going to stand in front of a, an assembly of people and this is a confession of my faith that me going down in that water, that I'm dying to my sinful nature and I'm coming up new as a new creature in Christ. That's what he's saying. He says, we were therefore buried with Him through baptism. We're, we're putting to death that sinful nature. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of God the Father, we too may have a new life. Okay? Paul gives this, this argument. Do we continue to sin? Absolutely not. It battles entitlement. It, it battles the, the thought of continuing in sin. Friends, the thing is, is it's not about saying a prayer or a prayer of salvation. Because you can say the prayer of salvation and live like a son of the devil. <laughs> Friends, if you're living a life in sin, you're living like the son or daughter of the devil. Jesus looked at the Pharisees. He said to them, those were church folk. He said, you're just like your father, the devil. That's rough. If Jesus was saying that to me, I'd have been like one of those numbers. Like, <laughs> so, it, so if we're living like a son or daughter of the devil, where do you think you're going to go? You're going to go where he is, right? And if you're living like Jesus, where do you think you're going to go? Where Jesus is. It's very simple. If we live like the devil, we're going where the devil is. If we live like Jesus, we're going to go to where he is. It, but see, I don't know why it's, it's such why why we got it so jacked up. It's it just it's just an obscure concept that we think that if we live like the devil, we can still make it to heaven. That would be like me believing I'm going to go to school to be a doctor. I took all medical classes, and I'm going to leave there with a degree in law. That just does not make any sense whatsoever. Okay, it just it, I mean that's just like no, no. I did this so so the outcome of this is this. Okay, the outcome of living a life of sin is what. Separation from God. But God is so good in His gracious, amazing, beautiful, awesome grace that He gives us time and time and time and time again. He's so good. He has not forgotten you and He has not given up on you. And if you're in this place today and you're not in a, in a, in a proper place with God, you're in a great place because you're in here this morning. Number three. We've got two more points. Number three, humility will always precede reconciliation. This is verse 18 through 20. What does the scripture say? It says that he came to himself. He had one of those duh moments. Have you ever had one of those moments where it's like, uh, duh? Have you ever had one of those moments? He said every day. <laughs> Has anyone here ever been stuck on stupid? There's a reason they call it stuck on stupid. Why? Because you're stuck on being stupid. And sometimes, I don't know why, we just get stuck on stupid. <laughs> Some of us a little more than others. But for the most part, all of us get stuck on, too, on stupid from time to time. But the scripture says that he what? He came to himself. Say, came to himself. The light bulb turns on where you say, what the heck am I doing? Okay? Have you ever had one of those ar arguments with your spouse 
and it's over something stupid and petty. And then all of a sudden, the light bulb clicks on, and you think, what is this even about? This is so stupid. Why are we arguing about this? It doesn't even matter. It's over something stupid and petty. Or have you ever had a, 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 you know, a, a time where maybe you're just having a real hard time with something, and really, it's, it's not really such a big deal? Or have you, ever, have you ever had a friend that's making a big deal out of something that's nothing? And you're like, come on, you, this is not such a big deal. We all get stuck on stupid from time to time. But this is the thing, friends. Humility will precede reconciliation. Humility is being able to look at ourselves and say, hold on, man, i got to step back for a minute. Because I'm acting like an idiot. My mouth is getting the best of me. Why the heck am I here? Whatever it is. He came to himself and he said, where I'm at now, I could be, I could be in the servants of my father's house and, they're gonna, and they have a better off than where I'm at now. Praise God for, for the light bulb turning on in our life. Amen? Those are the moments that we got to appreciate the Holy Spirit that is at work within us even when we're stupid. Even when we're do, excuse me, doing our own thing. Even when we're saying, God, you can stay over there for a minute because it's about me right here, right now. Praise God for humility. And this is the thing. The cool thing is, is humility always precedes reconciliation. He came back and he said, I do not deserve to be called your son. He didn't come up and say, what up, pops, man? Spending all your money was good, but hey, I need to get my place back. <laughs> nah, I said he came to a census. He realized that, man, he, he blew a big time because that inheritance that was given to him was meant to take care of him for the rest of his life. And so for, the, for him to have to come back to his father and say, I blew that which you gave me. It's humbling. That's why he was sitting there feeding those pigs. Because in his mind, his pride wouldn't allow him to come back to grips, to come back to his father. But then he hit rock bottom. Say rock bottom. Something about that rock bottom when our face is in the poop. I like rock bottom. I don't like it for myself, but I like it in general. Because it seems like for, for the most of us who deal with pride and arrogance, rock bottom is what it takes for us to get our heads out of our butt. <laughs> can, I, can I be frank? Okay, I've got a filter on my mouth, but it's not this morning. Okay, Because that's what happens. We have our head in our butt, whatever it is, but then we hit rock bottom. Our, our face is all up in the poop pile. There's something that clips on that says, I need to get back to my father. I need to get back to church. I need to get back to God. I need to get back to that place. I need to get back to my father's house. That's what he said. I got to get back to my father's house. Humility. Friends, when we burn bridges, humility can be the pathway to restore relationships. If he would have came at his father in an incorrect manner, do you think his father really would have threw a big fat celebration for him? No. Why? The father represents the father in heaven, and the Bible says that he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So when he's seen his son afar off, he, ch he raced after him. And when he's seen the humility that his son had hit rock bottom, he didn't beat him up, he got beat up enough. Friends, when people go off in their own way 
and they've been beat up by the world. They don't need to step into the church to get beat up more. They need to step into the church and get loved on again. I don't know what it is inside of us when we see people come back that we want to try to beat them up and tell them about themselves. They done got beat up enough. And they had to crawl just to get back into the door. We got to grab them when we see them fall off. And we need to bring them back in. And we need to celebrate. And we need to love on them. And we need to make the feast for them. We don't need to slap them around and say, oh man, shame on you. No, grace on you. It's great to have you back with us again. Come on. Somebody needs to feel this. Because this happens all too often in churches all around. And I've heard it personally. In the same man, and, that, and people leaving churches because they had a they they fell and they messed up and then went back to the church and the church had nothing but shame and disgrace for them. Shame on us that we would disgrace somebody who fell to come back. That's messed up. Sorry, that gets me fired up. Because I know the grace that's been given to me. Because the Bible says, He who has been forgiven much loves much. He who's been forgiven little loved little. They must have been those that were raised in the church all their good old life, never had any kind of struggles or problems or addictions. I don't know what their, their situation is, but they got to get off their haughty high horse. I'm not talking about a single person in this building. <laughs> all those other people. <laughs> Humility can be the pathway to restore relationships. Friends, it's the same with our Heavenly Father when we blow it. When we humble ourselves and we come before Him, friends, He will grab you back up. And the cool thing about grace, we think that we have to work our way back to getting to where we were. You don't have to work your way back to where you were at. i got to jump through all these hoops and i got to do all these things. No, nah, man, that's works. The Bible says that you know when we are in Christ, we're co-heirs with Him. So when you, when you repent and you come back to Him, He puts you right back to that place of honor. you got to work through the shame and you got to work through the guilt and you got to work through the condemnation and let that do that work in you to remind you of where you're at. But He spiritually puts you right back to that place where you're at. <laughs> He's so good. Number four. Selfishness can steal our joy. This is verse 28 through 30. Look at your neighbor and say, Don't rain on someone else's parade. I'm going to say that again. It's fun. Look at your other neighbor and say, Don't rain on someone else's parade. Why do we got it? Why, why is it that we do that? Somebody else is, man, they're having a good old time, and we're all mad. And so we want to come in, and we're going to mess up their party. Isn't that what the brother did here? He was out working. He was doing his thing. He came back, and there's this big old party going on. And he said, what the heck is going on? My dad's throwing a big old party while I'm out here slaving for him. And then when he found out that it was his brother that the party was for, he flipped. <laughs> he said this. So funny. He said, my dad wouldn't even give me a goat to celebrate with my friends. What? Rain on someone else's parade. Instead of rejoicing that his brother was safe, 
He complained about not getting his own party. <laughs> Isn't that what we do? I'm telling you, friends, here, understand this. If you, were, if you lived okay, in an urban setting at, at any time in your life or you're still in an urban setting, okay, there's a mindset that we have to not allow ourselves to fall into that when somebody else has a come up or somebody else has a promotion or somebody else does well for themselves, that we're not talking bad about them behind their back. My wife said, that ain't just urban, baby. That's everywhere. Why, why is it that we want to have a pity party or throw a, or throw a fit when somebody else has a come up? For instance, I remember when my mom, is my mom here? Oh, she left. Okay. Okay, my mom, okay, she lived on Manhattan Street all of her life. Okay, she had an opportunity to move out of that little house. I mean, this house was little. I, I remember I brought a friend over. He said, is this, he said, is this a mobile home? I said, no, friend, this ain't no mobile home. It's my house. Do you see wheels on this piece? No. And going nowhere? She thought. <laughs> Straight said that. The trailer. This ain't no trailer. What you thought? You see wheels? <laughs> Little rinky-dink house. Grew up in. My mom grew up in here. Okay? Later in life, okay, she came to a place. I mean, my mom worked hard two jobs all her life. She's like, you know, I want to I wanna move out. I want some land. I want to go out where it's, you know, my family on her side was from Arkansas, country, all that other stuff. Like I said, all her life, hood. It's like, you know, I want to go out and move out. And I, when I heard that, I'm like, you do that, Mom. You deserve that. You've busted your butt all your life when my dad left. You worked two jobs. I mean, you, 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 if you can do that, you go do that. You deserve that. When she's sharing this with, with, with some of her peers, they were upset at her. But the funny thing is that all of her peers, none of them live in the hood. They all live out in the suburbs. So how is it that you're going to throw, and I'm not trying to put anybody on the bus, how is it that you're going to complain about somebody else coming up? Why do we do that? When somebody else has an opportunity, we need to celebrate with them. That's why it says, I love what it says in Romans chapter 12 and, and verse uh, 15. It says that we are to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. If somebody is celebrating because of something that's good, friends, don't rain on their parade. We need to rejoice with, with, with their, their position that, that's just been promoted. We need to rejoice with them having the opportunity of, of coming up or getting a better position in their job, or being able to, you know, they've been, uh, uh, you know, in the slums all of their life, and they have a time where, where they want to get out of that. We need to rejoice with them. Our selfishness can steal joy. Because you know what? When you rejoice with them, you receive joy as well. I think one of the most incredible joys that we can receive is not the joy that we, get, that we have when we get something. It's the joy that we get when we see somebody else get something. Because then you know it's not about you. That's a true, genuine joy. Because if it's about you, it's just happiness, and that can go away. But when you're happy for somebody else, come on. That's having the mind of Christ. So his brother, instead of rejoicing, starts complaining, said he wanted his own party, never got one. Boo-hoo. I didn't get no party. <laughs> Friends, let's not rain on somebody else's parade. We do that at the church too. Uh-oh. When we see somebody else, perhaps they're getting a little bit extra accolade. 
Or perhaps they're getting the pat on the back or perhaps they get pointed out for some good deed that they've done. And in your heart you think, I've been serving here for years and ain't no, never got any recognition. <laughs> Uh-oh. Where's, that, where's your heart at? Because the question is, who's the one that really rewards? When are the leaderships of our church when you give you a pat on the back? Or the Lord Jesus is the one in whom which you're doing it for in the first place? Because if you're doing it for vision, if you're doing it for me, if you're doing it for Pastor Joy, if you're doing it for a new leader, then friends, you're going to fall short. Because we're human, we make mistakes, we're going to overlook you, we're busy, we're going to try to love you, we try to encourage people as much as we possibly can, but friends, we're going to miss it. And if you're doing it to get the attaboy, I'm sorry, we'll probably forget to give you that. But if you're doing it for the right reason, if you're doing it because you want to see God uh, glorified, because you want to see lives changed, because, uh, because you miss service and you're in ch- uh, nursery and preschool and you're pouring into them the Word of God because at the age of three or four, they can be separated from the life that you lived when at, the, at the age of three or four when you, had, when you was dealing with all kinds of garbage and sin and wickedness and all this other stuff because of the environment that you were raised in. And when you do it and you leave with a good attitude and then you can go online and listen to the message and you said, God, I did it for you, not to get an attaboy. Friends, where are you going to get your reward? Jesus even said that. He said, you can receive your rewards here now in full, or you can receive it in heaven. I remember one time I was having a hard time with like, with like some of these uh, preachers who are like millionaires and all this other stuff, and I'm like, God, what's up with this? I'm serious. Can I be transparent? Okay, I'm not talking bad about anybody. Okay? I'm like, what's up with this? You know, I, I mean, you know, I'm a minister. Not that I want millions, because I don't, because it just messes you up. But I'm like, why, you know, why would you, why would you allow... Why would you allow them to, to live such life? I mean, I believe, you know, we should be blessed. But I believe that we can, we can over, over, overdo it. Okay, when, you're have, when you have to sell your second personal jet air, airplane, okay, you probably have overdone it a little bit. Okay? When you get a million dollars for your birthday from another millionaire minister, you probably have overdone it. That's the truth. I remember I was complaining, and this is what the Lord said. Okay? This is what he said to me. He said, son, you can receive your reward here now on earth or you can receive your reward in heaven. What do you want? I said, God, I want my reward in heaven. I said, I'm sorry. I'll live on Prouty Street all my life and get a big old fat mansion in heaven if that's what it takes. <laughs> if that's what you want. Just it is what it is. That's the thing, friends. We can receive our accolades here now. I don't want mine now. Or we can receive it in heaven. And this is the thing. And, the, and, and for the most part, when people, when they are in need of a little bit of affirmation, it's because you really have busted your butt. And you just need a little bit of encouragement. And that's the cool thing about the father when he talked to the son. He didn't say, what's your problem? And smack him upside the back of his head. He said, son, all that I have is already yours. It's all yours. Everything you're working for, this is all yours. When I pass away, you're getting all of this. So don't worry about the little bit of inheritance that he squandered because this is all yours. But let's take the moment and rejoice that your, son, that your brother who was lost is now found. And I just say that to end this to say this. You know, friends, if you have served in any capacity in our church, we do value you tremendously. Friends, this 
church is not about Josh and Joy Hester. We could not do anything without every single person playing their part. We couldn't. We just had a block party where we were able to preach the gospel to a thousand people. How many volunteers that we had come together for that? Tons. We have a worship team that gives every week. We have people that serve back in the sound room every week. Right now, there are people up in kids' church loving on your kids, preaching the Word of God in a fun, tangible way for them. People that are right now that are walking around this building watching your vehicles. Why? Because we live in the hood. We've had cars broken into. Walking around the buildings. Why? Because we live in the hood. There's crazies nowadays. Watching. We've had people, and, and you don't even know that it's going on. Why? Because they're serving without recognition. Would you stand your feet with me?